2: Hello, everybody. How you doing? This is Colin Cook with... Hey, everyone. It's Elliot. And we are reporting together for the first episode ever. Uh, We are here at Elliot's house, and we have a special guest today. Elliot, why don't you introduce our guest here?
0: Our special guest today is my wife, Becca (laughs) Kawaoka. (laughs) Hi.
2: (laughs) So yeah, so this is the first actually to be able to look at each other while we're talking. It's and actually, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but we've got a gorgeous view of the lake that they live on here. It's uh, pretty awesome. So I'm checking this out while I'm here for work. And uh, so yeah, we thought we'd uh, get Becca in the mix here. So Becca, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself?
1: Um, I'm a personal trainer. I've been in fitness for eight years now. Um, I started off in fitness when I was in high school, working out with the football team at my high school, and decided to pursue a degree in exercise science and kinesiology. Um, I started training clients when I was in college, so I got a lot of experience even before I graduated. Um, So I've worked quite a diverse demographic in the last eight years, kind of starting with boot camps and fitness and working my way into more Specialized athlete training and even elderly rehabilitative clients. So, uh, obviously, now that I've gotten into Ironman and triathlon training the last three years, I can speak kind of more specifically to the triathlon and endurance world um, and kind of make that a niche and helping people get through their in season and off season training healthfully and also see specific improvements just from what they do in the weight room. So,
2: yeah. Very cool. So you mentioned you've been doing tries for three years uh, now. What about your your past or what have you been into as an athlete growing up?
1: Uh, I started playing soccer competitively um, more in high school, but I ran track in middle school, uh, was a cheerleader competitively, and then decided to focus on soccer as a main sport for my last two years in high school. Got a scholarship to play for an NAIA Division I school and uh, – Played there for four years, and then uh, also did one year of track for them as well in the same division. But um, definitely a very competitive nature uh, on my soccer team. Uh, went to nationals all four years, so um, definitely learned to fight for my placements and playing time then. So I naturally fell into marathons and a half, marathons from there. So, yeah.
2: And how many marathons have you done?
1: Uh, I think just four. This is my fourth one that I did at Boston. Yeah, not Uh including Ironman marathons, so I guess five.
2: (laughs) Yeah, you got to count those. Yeah. But for the record, uh, you did come to Boston. You you stayed at my house, and you did not get sick before the race. I
1: stayed strong. My immune system proved stronger than Elliot's. He works in the gym
0: environments (laughs) and is immune to all the bacteria. Yeah. (laughs) How
2: I managed to only get Elliot sick and, you know.
0: What a a coincidence. (laughs) 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 Uh,
2: I just had to throw that one out there. Very cool. So you've been, you've come pretty fast, passionate. Excuse me about triathlon, though, huh?
1: Uh, yeah, it's hard not to when you live with Elia and uh, fall into sync with his crazy training patterns. Uh, but I have been trying to uh, contribute more to something. Maybe not that he doesn't know anything about it, but uh, maybe enhance some of his knowledge in the weight room and strength training because it is, I've noticed, very hard for athletes. Especially, I found at the higher level, like him, who are training on the bike and the swim and the run for 20 hours in the middle of their Ironman season to get them to do two 30-minute sessions a week sometimes is even hard. And at first, I thought that was insane, you know, seeing him go through his first build. I'm like, how could you not do some rehabilitative training? And then I went through an Ironman build, and I realized how hard it was. So oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah, knock on wood, I did make it through my first Ironman build without any injuries. I got close. I got on the line, but I think having a big strength background has helped me. Um, and I have stayed fairly dedicated to getting in the gym two to three times a week for at least 30 to 60 minutes, no matter what part of my season I'm in. So it is hard. It's hard for endurance athletes. It's hard for beginners that are just coming into fitness at all. And they start with endurance training to then teach them how to do strength training and endurance training. So it definitely needs to be tailored to the person, but yeah.
0: So you would say strength training is just as important as swimming, biking, and running?
1: Uh, yeah, definitely. <coughs> so even if you look at, like, Chrissy Wellington, who went from training with Brett Sutton, who didn't focus on strength training very much, to Dave Scott, who had her in the weight room, uh, even three to four times, she was kind of heavier on the strength training side. Um, I mean, every athlete's going to have their different kind of magic number. Um, but, yeah, I would say that if you want to stay at your best doing rehabilitative type and prehabilitative type training. Um, I don't know if there's any way around it, but that's just my opinion. So are are
0: there different phases that you (coughs) go through during the course of the year? So like is there heavier lifting periods than say in In the middle of an Ironman build? Yeah, Yeah,
1: absolutely. So um, I've been able to actually work very hands on with that question. Uh, I have a group of four triathletes that I train. so, when I started out with them, I obviously had to figure out what phase they were in at their actual training. So, what was their A race? thankfully everyone's doing kind of the same a race. So I kind of figured out, you know, who's doing what, when, and they were about 10 months out from that. So technically in the athletes off season time. So when they're not working towards an a race, that's when they're going to actually be working on, um, form work, even working in plyometrics, um, and doing some heavier building in the weight room because their volume is either going to be low or their intensity is going to be low. So uh, what you do in the weight room as far as building should almost be inverse of what you're doing when you're swim, bike, and run training. So now, as soon as I got them through about a three month build in the weight room, now all their seasons are changing. They're getting ready for their eight race, right? They're technically in season. So I'm tapering back a little bit on how much I'm having them strength train. Um, also, cause they're new in the weight room. So I can't, you know, build them in the weight room while they're building for their sport um, at this point. Um, so I'm definitely making things, you know, okay, let's apply this. Let's do swim band work, you know, let's work on, you know, run form and maintain our strength throughout the season. If they're feeling strong, I can incorporate a few, um, we call them micro cycles. So one to two week builds, maybe if they're in kind of a deloading phase throughout their A-race build, um, we can kind of work on a couple, you know, ramp ups in some of our key lifts. Um, but yeah, I definitely kind of with my experience so far, have tended to put an athlete that's in their off season through a little bit more rigorous weight room training, um, plyometrics, key lifts, building key lifts, and then kind of cycle them back and maintain them while they're building their swim bike run, and definitely try to incorporate form work even more heavily since they're doing so much of that that you know getting into the weight room and kind of reminding their body what they should be doing when they're in their like most fatigued state, whether it's distance or intensity um and so that's that's what i found to be pretty helpful with myself and now i'm trying it out on my clients nice yeah
2: so i got a a question here and uh i certainly will put myself in this bucket as well but you've got all these triathletes that say yes you know i want to do my strength training but life happens Mm -hmm. people get busy and i can tell you that i'd say at least 95 percent of triathletes when comes down to it on the day they can only get one workout in they've got a strength training workout and they've got some other workout mm-hmm. to do they're going to do that uh swim bike run workout and they're oh, going absolutely. to ditch their strength yeah. training mm-hmm. so what would you say to those people or what is the recommendation that you have to persuade them to maybe go otherwise
1: <laughs> um i would say that it actually doesn't take sometimes nearly as long as you think it would mm-hmm. um, so sometimes we have in our head that a workout has to be 30 to 45 minutes or longer And honestly, triathletes specifically can get away with a 15-minute body weight session. That's going to be a lot more beneficial than either skipping it all together or, I mean, obviously make your swim, bike, run work as a priority when you're in season. But if you take 10 to 15 minutes to grab a TheraBand and a mat, you can do wonders in just that 15 minutes. So if you can't prioritize a 45-minute strength training session, that's fine. But as soon as you're done with your key workout, say it's an hour and a half, just spend that extra 10, 15 minutes on the mat doing some rehabilitative work, doing some body weight work. Uh, your body is definitely going to thank you for it. Um, or if you can make time before the workout, it's a great way to activate and getting the right muscles, all your stabilizers. Just get them awake. Just wake those muscles up, and they'll function a lot better for you during your workouts. So I understand that a lot of people are a time crunch. The athletes I work. With family workout with me one time a week. So um, I have given them the packets that we have looking at us right now with pictures on them um, that I've provided. Um, I give them to my athletes and say, if you can run through this 15 minute workout one to two times a week, either before a run session or right after a bike session, uh, you'll see the difference, uh, especially in the beginners that I'm working with. I've seen leaps and bounds just in the range of motion aspect, and that is directly translating into their uh, running abilities. So, my that one client sticks out to me in particular. Somebody that's just brand new, kind of to triathlon, definitely brand new in the weight room. Trains with me for 60 minutes one time a week, but on his own, he's doing, you know, 15 minutes of this and that body weight training, and he's seen huge improvements. Um, and I've actually seen some really good running out of him lately. So. Yeah, I think just prioritizing a small amount of time for a few key effective workouts is a big way to get a big bang for your buck on that, yeah.
0: Well, I think, I mean, your your performance speaks for itself, too. I mean, you you've been in the sport for a year and a half now, and people could only dream of the progress you've made throughout the first year in the sport, and I think a lot of it has to do with how diligent you are in your strength work. And I mean, you've been relatively injury free and Mm -hmm. you're strong. And I think that's a big reason why you were so successful last year.
1: Yeah. I mean, I do have a performance background too. So being in high school, I worked with kind of like higher end performance coaches that obviously while my sport was soccer, they cared a lot about running technique and efficiency. And while some athletes um, not to call out the iron math athletes, but are like, why does it matter, you know, that I, you know, have a little bit of a cross swing or, you know, there's the good old heel strike versus toe strike argument. And again... I don't care about how your foot lands and all that, but I do care about the efficiency of your foot landing right beneath you. And I do care about how efficiently your arms are gonna swing, whether you're doing a ladder in front of me for 30 seconds or if you're out there running a marathon. And there is a relationship, Uh, but it's sometimes just something we don't wanna work on. It's sometimes just like slowing down to get faster. That's one of my biggest philosophies. Um, It worked for me a ton with swimming in my swim form Um, and doing that diligent band work in the weight room to reflect that and learn how to pull because I didn't know how, I'm not a swimmer. Um, and now, yeah, I mean, I can kind of hang with people, um, and then running wise, you know, I'll look at pictures of myself finishing half marathon and take it back to my 400, 800 track days and just say, you know, there's no way I could have gotten away with doing an 800 against some collegiate runners like this. So how can I translate that to have good run form all the way through even an Ironman marathon? Cause efficiency at that point in a race does matter. And if you're efficient in the weight room and are diligent in the weight room, with fine tuning those details teaching your body how to do it again activating the right muscles all your stabilizers keeping them strong and supple and then taking that out onto the course yeah i think there's a huge relationship there that's super underrated with endurance athletes but again like i said i understand why
2: interesting so talking let's talk about you more as an athlete here and uh you know yeah you said it's elliot work living with elliot as has an <laughs> impact on it but uh You've done an Ironman now, and it seems like you're still quite motivated to keep going here. Yeah. Um, yeah. What I guess what was your your first full season of training uh, experience like?
1: Well, I have two seasons fully under my belt now. The first one I worked with a female coach that was not my husband, uh, and under his wise guidance, and that was great. You know, I had to learn how to like clip into my bike and how to transition and put my helmet on the right way and not take my shoes off in transition area. <laughs> and yeah, so my first season was full of blunders, right? But still pretty high placements, you know, just kind of being competitive helped me out there. And then this last season with Elliot, um, yeah, I, th- I would say he definitely knows how to push me and find uh, my breaking spots and use them to enhance me as an athlete. Because if you're really gunning for something hard, you're gonna break, whether it's at the race or in training. So I'm definitely motivated because in a sport like triathlon, when you have three aspects, I mean, four if you count nutrition, um, you'll always have something to work on. So for people that are hungry for growth, it's perfect because even the best are, you know, you still see Daniela Rife in the pool swimming 7K because she's not the best swimmer, right? So there's always room even at the top level to improve. So it's addicting, right? Because you put in some work and you see some, some progress. So coming into my third season, I would say now I can't say I'm a rookie anymore. I can say I've done every distance from sprint to Ironman. We'll never do an Ultraman, so I'm okay <laughs> there. Um, but I can say I can look back and see what I've enjoyed and where I'm going to excel and kind of focus. I'm, and my plan is to focus on the 70.3 distance this year. Um, but, yeah, now there's, now there's standards and expectations, which make me nervous but excited. So, Yeah, there's goals out there this year, and uh, there's there's expectations, um, but we've set them together now um, with him being my coach. So, so yeah, there's a road ahead of us, I would say for sure.
2: (laughs) Uh, So, and and somebody that you know, I assume even after college and as a strength coach, you spent a lot of time in the gym before you started, you know, getting focused on triathlon. So. Do you miss being, like, a, a kind of gym strength rat, rat, or, like, you know, what has changed, or, yeah. you know, what is it do you like about triathlon?
1: Yeah, that's interesting, because uh, being in fitness, you know, I still kind of follow all the, the people I've worked with and trained with. Um, I did a brief stint in, like, powerlifting and... Um, Was gonna enter in both a powerlifting competition and a bodybuilding competition. So there's a time in my life where I was very weight room dominant. So we're talking one to two sessions a day, seven days a week in the gym. And now it looks nothing like that, right? So I've come really far from like you know seeing if I can deadlift a time and half my body weight to just maintaining lifting my body weight during the season. So yeah, I miss that because I see people you know on Instagram with their massive amounts of pull-ups. And here I am, like, doing dive starts and, like, who now cares? You have, now you have athletes <laughs> to follow. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, it's, um, yeah, it's just a competitive person will always be trying to beat everybody, I guess. But there isn't any way to beat the people I was comp- competing with back then and the people I'm competing with now. You know, you can't run a marathon and win an olympic weightlifting competition in the same month as my college professor always said. So, shifting my focus is, was really hard at first cuz I still I felt like I got a lot weaker, right? And that was a sign of weakness with what I made my living out of. Mm-hmm. So, I learned how to spot people that were stronger than me and say, "Look, I can't deadlift this now, but you can because you're stronger than me and you're training for something different." So, it's built me a little bit in character being able to say, "Look, this is no longer my like personal forte I know a lot about it and I'd like to help you excel in it um, I don't excel there particularly anymore but I excel in something else so yeah I do instead lifting 200 pounds as a 115 pound female sometimes uh, but I also enjoy finishing at the top of the podium at a WTC event so it's just pick your passion and if that's what makes you happy go for it, because in the long run, that's going to serve you much better than forcing yourself into something that you think you should be doing. And that's something I do challenge my athletes, whether they're personal training clients or, you know, online clients or nutrition clients, you know, like, is this something that makes you happy and passionate? Because if you're doing it for someone else's purposes, it's not going to lead to any success, really. So, yeah, to answer your question in a really wordy way, yeah, I do miss those days. I miss yeah. you know soccer, playing soccer, and doing rec leagues. But there's just not enough time in the day.
0: <laughs> there you
2: go. Um, shifting gears a little bit here, so you know you're a personal trainer and you're giving customized workouts and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. What are what are your thoughts on CrossFit in general and specifically for triathletes?
1: Okay, I'm gonna get comfortable for this one. <laughs> um... <laughs> Yeah, I wrote, uh, actually, when CrossFit came out, I was in college at the time. Kind of, It kind of was really coming into its own, and it got a lot of backlash at the time, but that's simply because there's really good CrossFit instructors and there's really bad ones, just like personal trainers. There's some really good ones and there's some really bad ones. So, unfortunately, I think the, the quote-unquote bad CrossFit instructors that will have a 55-year-old out-of-shape person doing snatches and overhead jerks, you know they're going to get the bad reputation of, oh, CrossFit injures you. But what CrossFit does is it takes somebody really unathletic and makes them athletic in the shortest amount of time, which is always going to have a few problems along the way. So if you're a smart CrossFit instructor, which I've seen some really amazing ones, um, being from Arizona, East Valley CrossFit has a, a pretty good program, um, just to name one. But um, if you have a good, certified, knowledgeable Actually, I don't even care if they're certified, if they're knowledgeable about the human body, um, and can take somebody through small progressions of say, let's do a kettlebell deadlift, let's do a kettlebell swing, let's do an overhead kettlebell swing. You know, if you can take somebody through progression, that, that is ultimately what fitness is about. Being able to progress somebody at the right pace, the right way, so being able to break it down. So CrossFit, if you take somebody and put them in CrossFit, and you progress them the right way, um, yeah, it's gonna turn them into a fairly athletic person pretty quick. But you have to know how to break it down to each person. If your class is huge and you've got a 55-year-old in the back or even a 20-year-old that's just not coordinated, no, they shouldn't be doing overhead movements or they shouldn't be doing powerful movements. They need to be doing basic, simple movements that are gonna lead them into a more powerful or performance-based movement. So the exercises CrossFit does are advanced and they need to be respected. And there's some good ones out there that do it that way. Um, there's others that don't and give it the bad rap. So. If your coach is good, then it's great. It'll help you work on explosiveness, on that fast twitch that a lot of long course athletes don't have. That's a good thing. I taught all of my triathletes how to do kettlebell swings. It's a great posterior chain movement. It's one of the big movements in CrossFit. There's a lot of overhead movements, like overhead squats, that are great for swimmers that need, you know, overhead mobility, that kind of thing. So for a triathlete, it could be good, um, but just like anybody else, it could also be a negative choice so it depends on the coach and it depends on the athlete's level um, I think to determine if it's the right fit or not for sure
0: good answer Because so, I was I was really big into CrossFit yeah my the first coach I had I mean he was into CrossFit endurance so we did a lot of CrossFit type activities off of the bike or or into a run or something like that but yeah, I mean, I like the competitiveness of it, but I can tell, like, you kind of, like, forego any kind of form, and you just kind of rush through everything, and I see why that kind of stuff is can be very
1: dangerous. When I teach those movements, it's, it's completely the opposite, too. So if I'm going to teach somebody an advanced movement, they get to do one rep at a time until it's perfect. Yeah. Um, and I actually saw something posted on a – I won't drop names on it because he's a pretty popular – you know, person for triathletes to follow. But he posted something about how let's do this and make our stabilizers really tired and then go into an explosive set. Well, you never want to fatigue your stabilizers. So like your glutes and your, you know, small stabilizing muscles, you don't want to fatigue those before going in an explosive set and then do that set to failure. So something that's supposed to be explosive or powerful shouldn't really be taken to failure because what you're going to do as an endurance athlete is you're going to take that out onto the course and you're going to, your body will know to just go to failure. Those muscles will fail you in kind of a condensed version of explaining that. So if you're going to do something performance-based or explosive, it needs to be done perfectly every time. So you don't want to do kettlebell swings to failure or overhead snatches to failure, in my opinion. Because you don't want to train your body to fail. You want it to be perfect every time. So why not do one, two, three, four, five reps and build up your stamina with perfect form, you know, with the right ramp up, the right activation set, not to fatigue, but to perform. So I don't I don't train my athletes to go to failure. I don't personally really believe in it that much. Um, but I do teach them to perform and to perform well. So that's just my personal standpoint. Um, again, I have only been in fitness for eight years, but... Um, I've you know I've seen the athlete that Elliot is, and I know that he had done it for a while. And if I were to coach him, you know, in the weight room in his off season, it would include some of those movements, and obviously a much smaller amount of volume, but with really excellent form. And it, it would it would help. Um, so yeah, if that's an answer to is what I believe in CrossFit, then uh, hopefully that was an accurate analysis of that. <laughs> yeah,
2: good. And uh, this is probably a loaded or a challenging question to answer too. But what about just like the average boot camp that people can get into. Do you think that those have value for triathletes?
1: So that's actually a really good question. Um, I used to work for a gym that was kind of like a mom and pop version of Orange Theory. So you'd come in, most people did classes, right? And a lot of them were endurance athletes. Um, So the workouts were very catered towards endurance athletes in kind of a boot camp fashion, um, you know, there's a sprinkling of people that didn't do endurance training and then just enjoyed the crowd. Um, and I recently wrote an article kind of respecting this as well. Um, the problem with boot camp is that it's not progressive. So you'll come in and you'll do the same exercises kind of at the same weight, and you'll go, and what I, what I think is you kind of go through the motions. If they're supposed to be at a high-intensity interval, it's like, well, I already worked on the bike, or well, you know, it's kind of a long day, so I'll do 30 seconds, but like what does a 30-second interval do if you're not really working sub-maximally, right? And that's what a boot camp is kind of based around, sub-maximal effort. It's 90% effort. So you have to ask yourself what the intention is by going into that boot camp class. Are you doing it just for maintenance? Okay, maybe it's a good fit for you then. Um, if you're doing it to actually become better and perform I would say it's probably not the right fit for you because you're either getting 17 different instructors presenting 17 different things to you in somewhat a random manner because let me tell you I've worked at a lot of gyms and no boot camp program is ever that structured because there's no way to communicate and everyone's got their own style so yeah if you want to progress, I would say, no, it's probably not the right way for you because there has to be a theory of progressive overload, right? Some type of thing has to change. Our body has to acclimatize to something. And if we're not stimulating it with either, you know, a volume load or an intensity load and progressively getting better and stronger from there, then what's the point? Um, So I have leaned away from teaching boot camps. I find them to be boring. I find them to be watered down and I find them to be kind of the same thing, just, in an entertaining way and i don't like to entertain i like to see results so i would say that i don't necessarily believe in it but if it's the best option for you to get in twice three times a week during your season just to you know prevent injury yeah then maybe it's a good option for you cool yeah
2: Elliot, you got any questions there
1: he probably hears a lot of it from me (laughs) just (laughs) talking about it you're always
0: trying to get me in the weight room and i know i need to be better at it but I hung up some TRX stuff for you and I was
2: gonna say, you know, right to, to my left here, as we look out at the lake here, we've got two TRXs uh, fully mounted uh, to the beams here and a little uh, dusty
0: already. <laughs>
2: uh, clearly uh, set up to uh, to be used here and be a priority in this household, which I like. It's pretty cool.
1: Yeah, bodyweight training. It doesn't again. It doesn't have to be. You don't have to have a barbell, full set of weights. You don't even have to really have like a strength training gym membership if you want to keep yourself strong during the season. It's just a matter of maybe six to eight exercises to keep yourself strong and keep yourself going, using things like the TRX or the slings, band work, little things that can make you a lot better. Yeah. It's it's uh, rituals, not routines. So, what ritual are you going to do to make yourself better, versus what routine have you sunk yourself into? Oh,
2: but, I like that. I don't think I've heard that before. Yeah. Cool. Yep. Nice. So you said you're going to focus on sh- or half iron and shorter here yep. for a while so that's the game plan what's coming up this season here
1: well we'll kick it off with victoria 70.3 and then quarter 70.3 um i'll do an olympic chelaine man um and then black diamond 70.3 those are going to be kind of my main races so definitely focusing on being speedy and kind of getting top end speed there i don't h- hope to go back to the iron man distance for a couple years because i want to get fast
0: what was your favorite? What was your favorite race last year, and why?
1: Well, I only did three. I did an Olympic, a local Olympic, a local seventy point three, and then Ironman Canada. So, definitely had only three chances to perform last year, which for my second year I think is a good thing. I don't think it was good to over race at that point because, truthfully, training has what's helped me be, go to the next level. And
0: I think you've performed well at every single race you've done. Yep.
1: Yeah, yeah. So I got. First overall female at both of the local ones. And uh, I got second in my age group, 14th overall at Ironman Canada. I think I was just proudest in my run split. I had the fastest run split in my age group because of you. But. <laughs> How did that happen? <laughs> Thank, your, your unlucky situation made mine lucky. But, um, yeah, so definitely even the 70.3 distance, so now it's becoming pretty specialized. So trying to get... You know, the fastest I can at each each distance and dial that in and yeah, it'll be eleven months of off-season training between key races. So I think a couple long training blocks is what I needed now that I understand for the most part how each distance is gonna go and what I wanna work on and now I have something to visualize going into each race, right? I know what the distance feels like and I obviously courses will be different, competition will be different, but I'll be smarter. So hope for the best cool yeah
2: so what's it like being coached by your significant other
1: uh not easy so (laughs) uh it's hard well and to be to be fair we're kind of especially being in a new area we're we're kind of like each other's best friends right so you expect your best friend to kind of comfort you and tell you you're great so when you expect your coach to do that that's also unfair you know you set them up for failure so He knows the lines that I have, and he wants me to cross them, right? And I want him to be my cheerleader a lot of the time. Typical, you know, female. I'll throw myself under the bus there that I want somebody to tell me how great I am. Uh, But the truth is I'm not as great as I could be, right? So it's a double-edged sword, and he needs to be careful, and I need to be careful. So that's where just good old-fashioned communication comes into play. Um... So, yeah, it's hard, but I don't think anybody knows me better. So it, it, even though I've thought about coaching with others, it's like they wouldn't know me as well as him, and uh, I would honestly just miss hearing from him and talking about training with him anyways. So she, though I've contemplated have, it. You always
0: have Colin to go to. If
1: yeah, I have reached out to Colin when I'm stressed out about <laughs> the workouts. Like, I just have to know if it's reasonable or if it's just trying to break me um sometimes it's right in between um <laughs> but again I'm still learning a ton and he's got a lot to teach me as being going to my third year he's going on his 10th so there's a big disparity there um and I am sometimes afraid to ask for his help or ask for clarifications because you don't want your husband to think you're weak or think you're you know you look silly so
0: so you have Colin
1: Yep. Yeah. So uh, that's, that's, you should be, you should be asking people's advice. And I still don't know everything there is to know. How could you? Um, So I'm trying to learn what the intention is. A lot of my workouts. So defining intention is my intention to break in this workout and see where my line is. Or is my intention to uh, succeed and hit the numbers perfectly. Right. So sometimes just knowing the intention has helped, which everyone should ask their coach for that. Like. If you're being coached by somebody and you don't know what the intention of your workout is, that's a problem. And sometimes it was me saying, okay, what is the intention of this? You know, so that I wait, I didn't make him my enemy in the middle of my workout. You know, I would email him during my workouts, like, what the F is this, right? <laughs> uh, but the intention was for me to be pushed, and I just needed to accept that. So... Uh, yeah there are hard moments but then there is nothing better than crossing a finish line knowing the person I care about the most is truly and completely proud of me knowing what went into it and I don't think I would trade that for anything so I guess we'll keep it how it is for a while longer
2: (laughs) impressive I don't know Becca if you've heard my story of my uh, coaching of my wife at all
1: I have heard a few tidbits of it that's
2: right maybe Elliot's told you but uh, I think it's an extremely hard thing to do, and you're absolutely right about the things that you're talking about. Some of the challenges um, when you have different expectations and different things that you need to be to your lover. Uh, right. Because uh, I've had crosses. him.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I've had him in my my classes before, and I find myself doing exactly to him what he does to <laughs> me. So I'll catch myself getting on him and getting nitpicky about his form and telling him he could be better. Than I catch myself. And i just getting give you the mad. Bird. Yeah. <laughs> So it's I don't know. We haven't even married a year yet. So we're still learning how to be married and also how to do triathlon for me. Uh but if you're not learning, you're not growing. So
0: No, and I think you pushed me too. I mean, getting out of your comfort zone I think is the biggest thing and like what we did yet this past weekend, we entered ourselves in a swim meet, which is something that I would never do alone I've done in the past, but I probably would have never done it again. And just doing that kind of stuff, it's, it really helps both of us out. So.
1: Yeah, and you don't ever want to look stupid in front of your significant other, right? Nobody wants that. Um, but after you go for it, it's, its I mean, I felt so great after we both finished something. You know, I'd never done it before. So, yeah, it it truly brings out the best in each of us by the end result. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes it's hard to see that, you know, in the... Basement while you're you know swearing out the workout, but then when you get on the course, then you understand it a little bit more. So, so yeah, rainbows gotta search for the, the silver bows Yeah,
2: right. <laughs>
1: after the storm, there's a rainbow. So search for that. <laughs> uh,
2: uh, uh. So quick quick tangent on the uh, swim meets, Elliot. Do you have any advice for triathletes if they were to consider doing? Yeah, a- just
0: a general piece of advice in general. Um, <laughs> just if there's a clock. By the pool, just don't bring your watch with you because you do not need your watch for a workout or a race. Um, yesterday I was disqualified from my event because <laughs> I was wearing a watch and I hit your the start Garvin, button. Right? Yeah. Hit the start button right before I uh, do- took, took a dive into the pool and uh, the judge found me after the meet and he said I was DQ'd. So.
1: It was between the set and the actual send-off, I think, the the... the
0: the big problem the perpetrator yeah well i always get made fun of at masters for wearing my watch and
1: i don't even do that yeah
0: i just i need the data
2: yeah it's it's hard as a coach to argue that one you know uh, (laughs) looking at that afterwards but i thought maybe as uh our listeners are thinking about doing things they're not used to uh i was shocked to hear that as well and probably have been doing the same thing so uh uh, hopefully won't do that but at the same time you did get a time right and yeah. you had a pretty fast I'm split. glad I had Fif- a
0: personal best so.
2: 1500 meter yep at what One, uh, 19 119 yard pace. pace
0: yeah
2: pretty solid for non-swimmer growing up nice work buddy
0: thank you yeah. and Becca was just a few minutes behind me so she's made some pretty good progress too
1: yeah masters has really really helped me a ton i I mean, I started with a swim coach one-on-one for a year and uh, then made my way into Masters, and I think that was the way to go for me. I got form worked down, worked on my own all the way through Ironman Canada, and then have been working with Masters for two months and have taken just significant leaps and jumps in that. So having some people in the water with you. I personally watch a pace clock. I do not wear my watch in the pool just because... <laughs> I like it that way. Less, I really less drag. Vision. I have really
0: bad vision, so I have to wear my watch.
1: <laughs> that's true. He needs the rest time right in front of his eyes.
0: Huh.
2: No kidding.
1: Sometimes I'll have to shout the rest interval to him from across the lane.
2: <laughs> uh, nice. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, I think that's about good for this one here. Yeah. I want to enjoy uh, yeah. Seattle here a little bit. Um, So thank you very much for coming on, Becca.
1: Yeah, of course. Strength is my favorite thing to talk your ear off about. So (laughs) anytime you got questions, let me know.
2: All right. We'll get Becca's info out there so people can know about it here. But uh, awesome. All right, everybody. Thank you very much. We will uh, talk to you soon here.